Good morning. Hey, it's an exciting day to be here, and we are so glad that you're here. And yes, we're building anticipation and making you wait even longer for that big announcement. But we're starting a new series today called Without. And we'll be looking at living without certain things so that we can really live. And you can see the breakdown of the messages in this series in your bulletin today. But because we want to leave time for the big announcement after the message, today's message is shorter than normal. But a wise person told me there's no such thing as a bad short sermon. So this should be a pretty good message. But let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, thank you for all the things that you have blessed us with. Thank you for all the things that you have added into our life. And Father, today as we begin this series, help us see some things that you want to help us withdraw from our life. Things that you want us to do without so that we can grow spiritually, so that we can uh, be free, so that our hearts can uh, truly worship you without being encumbered by so many other things. And so, Father, today as we talk about this message, living without regret, I pray for the people here who are burdened, burdened with regrets from their past, burdened, Father, because of things that they know they shouldn't have done that they did, and now they regret that, or things that they know you wanted them to do that they never did. And Father, I pray that through your word and through this message, we can learn how to live without regret. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A young soldier and his commanding officer got on a train together, and the only available seats were across from a very attractive young woman who was traveling with her grandmother. And as they were talking together, and the soldier and this pretty young woman kept eyeing each other, and there was definitely an attraction there. And the attraction very clearly seemed to be mutual. And suddenly, the train went into a long tunnel, and the train car became pitch black, and immediately there were two sounds heard in that train car. The first was the smack of a kiss, and the second was the whack of a slap across the face. And the grandmother thought, I can't believe he kissed my granddaughter, but I'm glad that she gave him the slap that he deserved. And the commanding officer thought, I don't blame him for kissing that pretty girl, but it's a shame she missed his face and hit me by mistake. And the young girl thought, I'm glad he kissed me, but I wish my grandmother hadn't have slapped him for doing it. And as the train broke into the sunlight, the soldier couldn't wipe the smile off his face. He had just seized the opportunity. He has seized the opportunity to kiss a pretty girl and the opportunity to slap his commanding officer, and he had gotten away with both. Now, that is a young man who knew how to live without regret. He knew how to take risks and seize the opportunity to make sure he didn't end up with regret. And too many times, we just kind of float through life, and we miss opportunities. 
We miss opportunities to do things that clearly God would want us to do. And we end up with many regrets. Many regrets about what we would have or could have or should have done. So since our message is a little shorter, let's just jump right in. First, to live without regret, be aware of the source. Be aware of the source. If you're going to live without regret, you need to know where regret comes from. And regret is different than sadness. Sadness comes sometimes from what we wish would have happened, things that we really have no control over. I, I wish my mom had lived long enough to meet people here at Impact. Or I wish I had a job that paid me a huge salary to sit on a beach in Hawaii. Or I wish I had the genes to have a full head of thick hair. See, now I might wish those things. I might be sad about these things, but sadness is different from regret because I have no control over these things. But regret comes from the things I have control over. Regret comes from the things I know I should have done but didn't do. Or the things I shouldn't have done and made the choice to do. It comes from things that I should have said and didn't. Or things that I never should have said but chose to say anyway. You see, regret comes from my choices. It comes from my choices. And in truth, most times regret in our life is just unresolved guilt. It's unresolved guilt. And in my heart, I know that I should have done something differently, or I at least think that I should have done something differently. Now, occasionally, the source of regret is false guilt. You made a choice, and later you discovered there was a better choice, yet you made the best choice you could at the time with the information that you had at the time, and there's no sin in that, and your guilt is probably false guilt. When I feel regret and when we're dealing with that, we need to ask ourselves the key question, and here's the key question, why do I feel guilty? Why do I feel guilty? And Psalm 139 in the Bible has a great prayer for us to pray as we are trying to find the answer to that question. Look at what it says in verses 23 and 24. It says, look deep into my heart, God, and find out everything I'm thinking. Don't let me follow evil ways, but lead me in the way that time has proven true. You want to let God show you the truth you want him to show you the way to live that has always proven true. And if it's false guilt, let him show you the truth. Let him show you that it's false guilt. If it's real guilt, if it's guilt because you have sinned, he can help you take care of that also. You see, when you take care of the guilt, you take care of the regret. When you take care of your guilt, you take care of your regret. Now, I wish we had time to go into detail on this, but we don't. And so I've given you six steps for dealing with past regret. And I hope that you will go through them, that you'll 
do kind of your own personal Bible study on this. Read the scriptures attached on your own later. But let me just read through them quickly. The first step is this. Pray that God will give you wisdom. God promises that when we ask for wisdom, he's delighted to give us wisdom. Secondly, if there is a sin, confess it. Confess it to God. Let him know that you know that you've sinned. Number three, if there's any way to make the situation better, do it. Number four, forgive everybody involved in the situation, including yourself. It's really important that you forgive and also important that you forgive yourself. Number five, grow wiser from the situation. Learn from it. And then number six, trust God for the future. As you go through these steps, trust God to help you in the future. You see, once you're aware that guilt is the source of your regret, you can use those six steps for dealing with your past regret. But I want to spend the majority of our time today talking about some actions that you can take that will help you avoid having regret at all. So to live without regret, first, be attentive to your relationships. Be attentive to your relationships. I have been a pastor for nearly 39 years, and I have dealt with many people who were at the end of their life. And I have discovered that people who are on that last lap of this thing called life, most of their regrets have to do with their relationships. Most of their regrets have to do with relationships. And so let's spend a majority of our time here. Often their regrets are they wish that they had spent more time with the people that they love and that they care about. They get to the end of the li their life and they regret that they didn't value enough the time that it takes to create memories with their kids and with their grandkids or that they never got to do some of the things that they had always planned on doing, some of those things on their bucket list. And more times than I can count, I've had people say to me in their final months or years of life, why did I cancel that vacation for that work project? Or why didn't I take time just to spend alone with my spouse? Or why did I spend so much time with the people at work rather than the people that I love? Those are good questions to ask yourself. Not at the end of life, but now. Those are great questions to ask yourself right now. And if we are going to live without regrets in our relationships, here's a key question that we should be asking. Who should get my time? Who should get my time? Now, please don't fool yourself now by convincing yourself that someone else has control of your time. No one else has control of your time. All of us get 24 hours a day and each of us chooses, we decide how we will spend that time. So be honest with yourself and ask yourself, who is it that should be getting my time? To live without relationship regret, let me make two suggestions. First, enjoy your family. Enjoy your family. And this isn't just my advice. The Bible says this. Look at these verses. The first verse says this. Life is short and you love your wife, so enjoy being with her. Life is short and you enjoy your wife, so enjoy being with her. Several wives just threw an elbow. Anyway, this means that you need a consistent date with your spouse. Jill and I uh, do at least one breakfast out each week, and 
other dates as we can work them in. Take trips alone together with your spouse. This is something that Jill and I started doing when our kids were small. And when your kids are young, you need, even if it's just a night away in a hotel, just a little time, you need some time alone with your spouse. And take some of those dream trips you know, the trips that you've always planned on and dreamed of. I, I have led many tours to the Holy Land. And on at least three of those tours, I have comforted someone who broke into tears somewhere along the trip because it was the trip they had always planned to take with their spouse. And now they were taking it after their spouse had passed away, sometimes literally taking the trip with life insurance money. I remember telling that story one time after a trip and a couple in our church in their 40s said that they were going to go with us the next time we went to the Holy Land, and they did. They took money out of their retirement funds, and I remember him saying, if we have to work longer, we will, but at least we will never have to regret not taking this trip together. Don't miss the opportunities to enjoy your spouse. The next verse says this, children are a blessing and a gift from the Lord. That's a great refrigerator verse, but can I say sometimes we tend to quote it through clenched teeth? Children are a blessing and a gift from the Lord. I know that it's stressful having kids. It seems like one of them is always sick or going through a phase. You know the phases. Now, in case there are some non-parents here, let me mention just a few of the phases that drive parents crazy. There's the whiny phase. Man, I hated the whiny phase. There's the tattletale phase. There's the talking back phase. There's the they just won't stop talking phase. There's the teenage I can't get them to talk phase. There's the eye-rolling phase. Oh. And there's the I know more than my parents phase. About the time my kids got to junior high, they knew more about driving than I knew. It was amazing. They had never driven a car, but they knew how to tell me how to drive. There was the I know more than my parents phase. Now, I know I've missed some, but these phases make raising kids a challenge. But do you realize how short of a time you really have with your kids in your house? Has that dawned on you yet? It seems like yesterday we were expecting our first baby. And now we're just a few weeks away from the birth of what is planned to be our last grandbaby. Wow. Wow. And the time is really short, so enjoy your kids. Time with them is more important than a clean house. It is. Vacations with them are memories that you will never regret. Fun game nights will be something both of you will cherish. And don't fall into the trap of thinking that sitting on a bench while they play a sport or practice dance is you enjoying your kids. You need to do some of that, but make sure you have quality time with them not just watching them. 
You need to be with them at the very least. Turn off the radio in the car and talk to them on your way to and from those events. Don't let parenting be all work. Enjoy them and, in, and enjoy them at every stage of parenting. One more scripture while we're talking about this. Look at what it says in Proverbs 11. It says, the fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. Can I say gently that if you have a problem with people in your family, you need to do your best to fix it. You need to do your best to fix it. Most problems I hear about are over really small injuries and hurt feelings. And if you don't fix it, you will regret that. You'll regret that one day. I know there's big hurts that come from situations of extreme abuse and those need to be handled with the help of professional counseling, but most of the things that separate families are small and minor things that have just gotten blown out of proportion and please don't stand your ground and wait for them to apologize as if that's noble and end up regretting it when they've passed away. If you do, as the verse says, you will finally have nothing worthwhile left. Second suggestion for living without regret in your relationships is enjoy your friends. Enjoy your friends. And we won't be able to spend nearly as much time here, but I'm not sure that we know how to be really good friends anymore. I just don't know that we do. I see so many people who seem to think that their friendships are disposable. Friendships are just disposable. I mean, they're close to someone for a time and then they just let that friendship go by the wayside. And just like it happens in family relationships, we let our friendships be destroyed by minor disagreements or hurt feelings. I've seen people in friendships that had lasted decades because they weren't invited to a party or because the person said something insensitive. And I've seen people leave growth groups or churches because of hurt feelings that were big enough to cause them to cast aside years of friendships, but apparently not big enough to talk about with the person who hurt them. I don't get that. And that isn't what God desires. He wants for us to enjoy our friends in good times and in bad times. Look at these verses. Proverbs 17 says this, A friend loves you all the time, and a brother helps you in times of trouble. And then look at this one from Proverbs 27. The slap of a friend can be trusted to help you, but the kisses of an enemy are nothing but lies. That last one's important. It means real friends can say hard things to each other and trust each other to help them. And that's so rare today. So let me ask you, how good of a friend are you? And do you spend enough time really enjoying your friends? Many of us, including me, need to work on this so we don't end up with regrets about friendship. Let's move on to another important decision we can make. To live without regrets, be aggressive about your growth. Be aggressive about your growth. Look at this passage from Ephesians chapter 5. It says this, So be careful how you live, not as fools, but as those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, 
but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. If we want to live without regret, as the verse says, we need to be careful how we live. We need to make the most of every opportunity. So the key question that we should be asking is, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? And, and again, the passage says, don't act thoughtlessly. It isn't that we should just drift along hoping that we kind of stumble into what God wants us to do. We need to be aggressive about this. And fortunately, the Bible clearly teaches us many of the things that God wants us to do. Let me list just a few. First, he wants us to grow mature. He wants us to grow mature. The passage listed from Hebrews in your notes talks about the fact that too many times followers of Jesus are not growing mature as God desires them to. It says even though that they should be feeding themselves, even though they should be teaching others, they're still waiting for someone else to feed them. They're waiting for someone else to feed them. How about you? I've said it many times. If you are thinking this message is going to be the spiritual meal that nourishes you, that you live on all week long, you've missed the point. That's not what God desires. You need to get aggressive about growing spiritually. Spend time in your Bible and in your prayer. Do our soap reading plan. Get into a growth group. These are things that will help you grow mature in Christ. If you are at the same spiritual level right now that you were a year ago, you aren't being aggressive enough. You aren't being aggressive enough about your responsibility to grow spiritually mature. The second thing God wants us to do is he wants us to keep our promises. He wants us to keep our promises. As Jesus says in Matthew, our yes should be yes, and our no should mean no. People should be able to count on us doing what we promise to do. And this is more complicated than it sounds. It just really is, because often we're quick to promise something that it ends up we can't deliver. I mean, I sometimes think that I can do far more in a day or in a week than I really can do. And sometimes I overpromise and underdeliver. And I'm trying to change that. I'm trying to move to only promising what I honestly can do. I'm trying to underpromise and overdeliver. But keeping our promises has to do with the big things and the small things. Keeping our promise has to do with doing our job well, giving an honest day's work for an honest day's wage. It has to do with paying our bills. It has to do with showing up when it's our time to serve. It has to do with helping our kids follow after Jesus like we promised when we went through a parent dedication. It has to do with really honoring and loving and cherishing and respecting our spouse like we promised to do when we made our vows. And it has to do with praying for and talking respectfully about our government leaders. In short, it has to do with everything from showing up on time to um, keeping our promise to fully follow God and be obedient to him. Now, did I manage to step on everyone's toes on that one? I, I know I stomped all over my own. But if I want to live without regret, if I want to do what God wants me to do, I can't be casual about this. 
I have to be aggressive and growing mature and keeping my promises. Last, lastly, let's look at one more. He wants us to fulfill our purpose. He wants us to fulfill our purpose. God has a purpose for each and every one of us that he intends for us to carry out on this earth. He has a purpose, something that he wants you to do while you're here on this earth. And my life verse reminds us of how important that is. My life verse is from Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Here's what it says. But my life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. And one of God's purposes for all of us is to tell others about how much God loves them. And that purpose might not involve standing on a stage for you or speaking publicly, but it is something that God wants all of us to do. And if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent and a Christ follower, very clearly one of God's purposes for you is to share God's wonderful kindness and love with your kids and with your grandkids. But God's purpose might go beyond that. God really might be placing on your heart the desire to serve him as a missionary or as a pastor or as a staff member at a church. He might be placing on your heart the desire to write a book for him or uh, his purpose for you might be to do something huge and public and life-changing and dramatic, but his purpose for you might also be quieter. His purpose for you might be to change lives by teaching and leading and serving in our Steel City Kids area, or by leading or hosting a growth group, or by twisting knobs on a soundboard to make sure that the message can be clearly heard. Whatever your purpose, you are going to end up regretting it if you don't follow God's leading and you don't fulfill your purpose. And if you don't know what your purpose is, we can help you with that today. At this campus, there's a GPS class that would help you with that, or you could talk to Pastor Bill, and uh, he will help you. In closing, I want to tell you a story about a tri trip we took a while back with our kids and our grandkids. We were, as a part of the trip, at an amusement park, and several in our group were going on a roller coaster. And one of my grandsons was very afraid and you could see the struggle in him. He wanted to go. He wanted to go with everyone else on this roller coaster, but he was afraid. And his dad kept telling him that he would love it. And we all assured him that he would be completely safe. And it was just agonizing watching him trying to decide what to do. As it ended up, he decided not to go. And even as others were on the ride, he was still struggling. And immediately, when everyone got off the ride, he indicated that he should have gone. He said, I should have gone. And some offered to go with him if he wanted to go, but then fear gripped him again. And he decided not to go. And for the rest of the day, while we were there at the amusement park, and occasionally for the next several days that we were together, his regret came out. He really regretted the choice that he made not to ride that ride. My grandson's experience 
proves the truth of this quote from author John Acuff. He said, regret has a longer shelf life than fear. Face the fear of today instead of the regret of forever. Face the fear of today instead of the regret of forever. Many people go through life like my grandson, allowing the fear to control them and to fill them with regret. The fear of not doing well at work causes them to spend too much time at work and less time with their family. And the regret lasts much longer than the fear. And the fear of not saying the right things keeps people from talking about Jesus with someone that they love who is far from God and they regret it later. And the regret lasts much longer than the fear. And the inability to see the end of the road that God is asking them to walk causes them to fear that next step with God and they don't take any big steps with God and then the regret sets in and the regret lasts much longer than the fear. You see, my grandson has overcome his fear of roller coasters. He loves them now. How about you? Are you going to continue to live in fear or are you going to step out and aggressively pursue the growth that God wants for your spiritual life while also being hugely attentive to your family and your friends? May we all decide to trust God enough to live without regret. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, throughout this room I see faces of people, some who are struggling right now with regret that they have from past sins, past mistakes, regret that has put distance in relationships, regret that has caused all sorts of life uh, situations and problems and father i thank you so much that you have given to us through jesus forgiveness and a second chance that you through your word have given us a path to overcome that guilt and regret father i pray that you will help each one of us to walk that path regarding our past regret but father i pray that you will help us to live our life in such a way that we answer these key questions so that we can avoid future regret, so that we can live for you. Father, I pray that you will help us to determine who we really should spend our time with and that we'll allocate our time based on uh, who you would have us spend time with. And Father, I pray that you will just help us be aggressive with our growth, that we might know what you want us to do and that we will aggressively pursue it that we won't just drift towards you, but that we'll aggressively move in uh, step with you, step by step, becoming who you want us to be. And thank you, Father, that our failure is never final, that with Jesus, we always have a second chance. And Father, we give him the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.